We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And as you know, we've been dying to talk about Russell Westbrook. And so this is the first pod that we're going to be able to do that. This is not going to be a particularly in-depth pod. I, nor Darius or Mike, are going to be able to tell you how this goes or how it ends. I've got all sorts of theories, though, that we're going to explore over the course of several podcasts that are a little less lizard-brained than this pod will be. This is our reaction to, holy crap, Russell Westbrook is a Laker. I have so many thoughts on this, but Darius, I am fascinated to hear your perspective on just what is your first reaction to the news that Russ is in purple and gold? It's kind of shocking, to tell you the truth, that they made this specific move and got this specific player. Westbrook is one of the most polarizing players in the entire league. And I think the instant response, for me at least, was a lot of like yes and no sort of stuff. I see the reasoning behind a move like this. Like I see it clear as day. There's been, I think, a large segment of the basketball viewing population that has been a bit disingenuous in their response to the deal in that they have acted as if they don't see the reasoning behind it and that it's only a deal that does not make sense, right? Like this doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I've heard a lot of that over the last several days. Be curious, be curious about why, like if nothing else, the people who have made the decisions to go this route are people that have won titles, which is not to say that it's going to work out. It's just that Mike, that there is a rationale behind it, right? There is, there is reasoning and an approach. This is part of like, I've been beating down the doors of bigger, stronger, faster, right? I've been talking about that so much in recent pods. Russell Westbrook is probably the most powerful guard in the league. I would argue that he fits into the broader concept of at least what I thought that they're going in the direction with this team. So it's not to say that it will work, but it, there certainly is a concept and a rationale behind it. I, I've spent a lot of time talking about and thinking about Russell Westbrook over the years. And 
I, I think the way I'll summarize for this context, like with this Laker team and with LeBron and AD, and as the, at the time we're recording, we don't know a lot of who the rest of the teammates are going to be. And that's going to be very important to, that's right. to where this ultimately goes. So we'll save some of that for when it comes, and, and that'll be soon. But I think the the conceit of this and part of what, what's been reported already is, you know, Russ sitting down and having the conversation with LeBron and AD, right? And I've always talked about Team USA, Russ, uh, from back in the day when he was essentially the sixth man and he would come in and just completely overwhelm these international teams with his athleticism. They wouldn't need him to take a ton of shots other than just just bombing up and down in transition. Um, his defense was better. His attentiveness was better. And that version hasn't translated much to the NBA in the various situations that he's been in for various reasons. And for this to work its best and for this to work well, there, of course, has to be a transformation in how Russell Westbrook plays basketball and how much he has the basketball and how much he defends and, and how much he cuts off the ball uh, on offense when LeBron has it. And so there, there are so many areas that, so, that sort of have to evolve and change and and that's tricky. This is the fourth different team in the last four years, from OKC to Houston to Washington, and now the Lakers. And these are the same types of questions that have been asked in the offseason by these other fan bases. And I, what what I'm holding out some intrigue for is the, those types of conversations when it's coming from LeBron, who to me is kind of even different from Durant or from Harden or from Beal, whereas maybe Westbrook – Maybe there's part of him that sees LeBron a little bit more in the way that he saw Kobe, as in the guy that he can sort of get behind and fit into a role um, without losing the fantastic parts about Russ that that no that anybody would be crazy to criticize, which is the bringing your best energy every night against every opponent. In and mm-hmm. like that's the thing that I've always liked the most about him, and that Kobe liked the most about him. But there is a there are the this is the yes and no part from Darius like there really does have to be a, a big evolution as to how he's played the last couple of years um, for it to work as well as it could. Mike, nobody knows what Russell Westbrook looks like as a third guy on a team, right? Even those OKC teams, for one, completely different portion of a player's career, right? They were all in their early 20s, making their mark on the league. And Harden hadn't become James Harden yet, right? Russ was six clearly... Man. Yeah, Harden right? was a six-man. Yeah. He was a six-man on that team, right? And so... I was I wanted to do right. We we're going to be doing these basketball podcasts. And before any of the Westbrook news broke or anything like that, I wanted to do an episode on him because he is so representative to me of a player that plays hard and, and plays with spirit and passion. That's not always a good thing, right? That's that can be something that influences decision-making and turnovers and things that can hurt in high-level basketball games, right? But the reality is, whether you're an optimist about this or whether you're a pessimist about this, is that Russell Westbrook is a player that's always been a mid to high 30s usage guy. Watching Russell Westbrook, I've been working on these videos, right? I want to do a little series on him and the different aspects of his games. And we're definitely going to do a Westbrook week diving into because there's so much about him. That's one of the things about him, Darius, is he is everywhere. You are good and bad. When he's on the basketball court, you know it. There are never five-minute stretches where it's like, oh, Russ is out there kind of drifting. He's getting defensive rebounds. He's pushing up court. He's drawing fouls. He's turning the ball over. He's missing a pull-up jumper with 18 seconds left on the shot clock. He is everywhere, though, Darius. And now, as a third option, to me, that is the biggest in terms of 
Like you don't bring a guy like Russell Westbrook in to be somebody other than Russell Westbrook on one level, right? Because you're not getting the guy that you're trading for. On another, he is going to have to adapt and the Lakers are going to have to adapt to him as well. So it's not whether it's good or bad. The thing that really sticks out to me is Westbrook is so omnipresent on the court that dropping a player that influences a game as significantly as he does. Darius, we are a completely different team next year than we were the last two years. The thing about Westbrook and the part I have that I'm most interested in in seeing how this plays out is that navigation of slotting and where he slots in. And my hope, my hope, and what I think can be the best version of this is Westbrook as still a very prominent lead ball handler type who's Shot volume tweaks down a little bit, but whose playmaking is even put more in the center of the frame. And so his usage will be somewhat similar, even if it's not reflected in usage rate, right? Because usage rate is like, oh, a possession ends with a shot, uh, an assist, or a turnover, right? Or like a drawn foul. And so I think that where I'm most interested in this is his pairing with Anthony Davis. And the first thing I thought of when these rumors even first started was, oh my goodness, Russ can amplify Anthony Davis in ways that no other Laker really has been able to except for LeBron, right? And so if LeBron can amplify AD to a certain level, Westbrook can amplify AD to a certain level, maybe not as high as LeBron could, but in similar ways that you may end up getting the best version of Anthony Davis for longer stretches within a basketball game. And how that exponentially improves the team is something that I think in the big picture could outpace the drawbacks in Westbrook's game. That's the most optimistic take for me there is a less optimistic take whereas you don't necessarily expect a player to evolve you don't expect him to change his game he had a hall of fame career playing the game the exact same way pretty much his entire career right and and so to think that we're going to get like olympic russ in the same way that there was this idea of Olympic mellow that really never came to fruition until he was out of the league for a year and a half. I think that it's presumptuous to think that that's going to happen. And it would be silly to assume that it will. The whole idea of this being like a yes and no acquisition to me is, is rooted in those two sort of extremes. But why I'm in the big picture excited about this is because I don't view this through the prism of how much it might negatively impact LeBron. I'm looking at it through the perspective of how much it could positively impact Anthony Davis. And when I skew it in that direction, I'm like, oh man, we could see like MVP level AD for longer And that's a scary prospect when you think about what the Lakers' title chances are. Because optimized AD is something 
that I don't think the league really knows how that can like wreak havoc on everything, on everyone's best laid plans. Optimized AD is a great point that deserves its own podcast that we could probably That's break right. out in we the will. Westbrook series. So let me let me pivot over to LeBron for a second, and I want to get Pete's thoughts on this too. And this goes right back to that same initial conversation that the two of them had. And this is the yes and no part of it. So when you're really good friends with somebody and you can you sort of see all of their the good parts of them, but you can also get to know their flaws pretty well. And so LeBron is somebody that doesn't need any help from anybody understanding exactly what needs to happen on a basketball court. And that's where, again, I can't wait to hear from LeBron about this. I can't wait to hear from Russ. And, and then we're going to see the games and we're, and and it's going to be like what Darius just said. All right. Well, that looked a lot like the Russell Westbrook that we just saw in Washington or, well, hold on a sec. Well, I haven't, haven't seen Russ do that in a while. And like I, the whole thing, the whole LeBron part of this to me is, is not just about offense, but it's about defense. And that in the, like with Schroeder last season, the idea was you have a a guard who is going to be able to defend uh, really well for the whole game. And the difference being, he isn't necessarily going to scale up and be able to switch onto some bigger wings, which like athletically and physically Westbrook can, but that hasn't been really his role in previous iterations. And so and then what does Frank Vogel think about that? Okay, so that's the defensive side. So the athleticism is there. Is the know-how there? Is the paying attention there? Is the like is the seeing the backdoor cut coming going to be there? That's the one thing. And then on offense, Pete, which is probably the more fascinating, is this whole, okay, when they're on the floor together, is Westbrook going to kind of take over the, the first part, like the initiator of the possessions more typically? And then later in the game when you really need it, that's when LeBron – uh, you know, kind of isolates on the ball. And then what is LeBron doing uh, in the, like uh, all of that boggles my mind too. Um, to boggles the mind is the wrong word. It excites me to talk about and to think about, and also uh, makes me anxious. And so just your thoughts initially on LeBron and the impact uh, as to what Russ will have on him on maybe start an offense, but go wherever you want, obviously. Before I get into the LeBron specifically, because this underlies that, but also speaks to AD's point. I think AD is the one who's most impacted by what I'm about to reference. But Russ's spirit and passion that he plays with, contrast that to last season and in playing in Staples. Mike, how often did we talk about how just the energy in there was strange, man? It was just this empty arena and Basketball is so much about juice. We talked about the idea of juice and playing with passion. There are going to be times this upcoming season where Westbrook gets out on the break, throws it down to cap off a 12-0 run in a minute and 45 seconds, and screams with the, you know, with the veins in his neck busting out and all that. And Staples Center is going freaking nuts as Anthony Davis, who is trailing the play, gives him a big hug and LeBron comes over. There's a certain Russ's teams play hard, man. Like that Washington team probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. And there, he's a great floor raiser. He's a great floor raiser. Regular season floor raiser. He's one of the best. So I think that. That matters, and I think that having a certain degree of positive mojo and energy and spirit and is something that we desperately lacked last season. Now, a big that wasn't all factors in our control, right? It was injuries, empty arenas, all sorts of things that that we had no control over. But the end result was the spirit was down 
on a lot of nights, even, even if they were just fighting for their lives because both LeBron and Anthony Davis are out, right? It takes a lot out of you. Russ infuses a team with so much of that. And I think no more than Anthony Davis, even aside from their on-court fit with the pressure that Russ puts on the rim and the uh, you know all of the pick and pop opportunities, it's a matter of like, are we playing a basketball game and being in the moment and really um, – really giving our best effort and spirit to this particular game. There's nobody, in my opinion, better in the game than Russ at that, at infusing a team with that particular attribute. And we need it. Now, with respect to the fit alongside LeBron, this is, LeBron is so wonderfully adaptable, Mike. And that's something that I've seen in his game, even over his tenure with the Lakers, is that LeBron will be somebody who can dominate from the perimeter. But alongside Westbrook, I would bet you that he is a big man more often than he is out in, in other circumstances. Now, with all three of them on the floor in, floor in the closing lineups, closing lineups is its own pod to me. The Him on the defensive end is probably a couple of different pods because there are different, different aspects to that. Um, I think Russ is more of an off-ball cutter guy where for example anthony davis has the ball in the post and this is with both lebron and ad on the floor ad has the ball in the post lebron is the closest one pass away westbrook is on the weak side right and they're going to cheat off of westbrook because he can't they're not afraid of him as a shooter nearly as much as ad right westbrook's job is to cut as hard as he can into the paint and either AD is going to make that pass to the cutter. These are Caruso type cuts, right? Or set that pin screen, right? And is there a willingness to do that where he, if he gets the ball, he's going to wreak havoc in the paint, right? He's caught the ball off of a weak side cut, Darius. And, and we've seen how AD's post-ups, for example, are not particularly fruitful, but he's cutting and then there's a two-on-one help situation. He's going to eat. So you have to tag Westbrook on that cut. He's a force, he's a force in the paint. And so you have to tag him defensively. That's going to open up shooters on the weak side the ability to do that when all three are on the floor. But if it's just LeBron and AD, what I picture Darius is that side pick and roll that Caruso and LeBron used to run where Caruso is the screen setter. If that's Russell Westbrook going downhill on a side ball screen, that leaves some options. And he's so great at making that skip pass to shooters. Westbrook's passing is its own pod, right? There's so many parts of this. My mind's been racing ever since, since we got the news, but to answer your question, Mike, with LeBron, I think LeBron turns into more of a big in the lineups where Westbrook and LeBron are on the floor, but AD is not. Where do you stand on that, D? He's going to have to be a big man more, you know. Um, in fact, I'd love to get into this more in the second half of the pod because I really want to talk to Mike about spacing and shooting and, and sort of putting some of the theories of how much does shooting matter to the test. I think the Lakers are going to test that theory and maybe even more than Mike would want it tested to a certain extent, like this idea of how much shooting do the Lakers need. Um, that said, I think that the Lakers are going to have to play smaller and the things that players have to do on the court are going to have to shift and change. We talked about Russell Westbrook's potential evolution and his willingness to cut off the, to be a weak side cutter, his, his willingness to be an on-ball screener in the in the pick and roll rather than being the only the ball handler in those situations. Someone who's going to set off-ball screens, right? His attentiveness um, defensively. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to that we're talking about asking Russell Westbrook to do. Well, 
they're going to be asking LeBron to do some things too that maybe he hasn't had to do much of um, or as much of or he did them only by choice, right? Because he wanted to do them rather than what was always best for the team. And I think the same is going to be true of Anthony Davis, right? Like what are his center power forward splits going to look like this season in his first season with the Lakers it was 40 60 basically in the regular season 40 percent of his minutes came at center and 60 percent of his minutes came at power forward and in the postseason those ratios flipped well last season we saw a decline in that even further it was like 20 percent of his minutes came at center and 80 percent of his minutes came at, at power forward is he ready for those ratios to flip with Russell Westbrook in the fold and is he going to be able to to do more rolling in the pick and roll right rather than always popping because he probably popped like 85 or 90 percent of the time i was just starting to think back to who russ himself is and and before we get to more of the breakdown so did you want to finish you want to wrap up that point darius i didn't mean to interject No, no, no. I just think that there's a lot that's going on here that everything is going to need to meet in the middle somewhere for everyone to be at the best versions of themselves. And I'm very interested to see how all of that breaks down. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll get more into this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Mike, you brought up Russ as a regular season floor raiser, and I'm very much in agreement with that. I think that we're going to have a really strong regular season. But part of the anxiety of a deal like this is we played them in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and we didn't pay much attention to him on the perimeter. There are parts of the playoffs that it's – and we even saw this this season where it is almost a fundamentally different sport in terms of strategically than it is 
during the regular season. And that's where some of the parts to not like about his inclusion, that those concerns are very valid. I guess the, I'll start with the optimistic side of this quickly. And it's my one of my favorite Darius terms of slotting. And if Westbrook were the third best player on that Rockets team, then you can't treat him quite that way. So if they had one more real threat, then all of a sudden you can't just back off and say, go ahead and shoot. So that would be the side where you think, okay, well, if, if LeBron and AD, and in theory, in crunch time, at least two shooters or two, two three and D guys or two two guys that you that you can't just um, – or that are, that are going to be supplementary players, then you can't load up quite the same way. And that's something, obviously, they're, they're going to have to work on. But what's happened in the past, and as you mentioned, even when Russ was in OKC, he was still the second guy um, at worst. As you know, Harden was getting closer – and that's ultimately why he left, right? Because he was like, yo, I can do more. Watch. And he did. He showed them mm-hmm. quite quickly. But and then he, you know, then Russ, uh, of course, goes on and teams up with Harden in a different way. And then with Bradley Beal. But like he he's always had this uh, this approach to basketball that we mentioned in the regular season as such a great floor raiser. But he hasn't necessarily changed that approach when he's gotten into the playoffs uh, into series where teams can specifically scout and load up on what some of his weaknesses are. And it's reflected in the stats, right? Like his, his career three point percentage in the postseason is 29.6%. Now that's actually not far off his regular season average, which is 30.5%. It's just, it, it just looks a little, it looks that much more jarring when you see the two. Right in front of that from a stat standpoint. And it's on a decent amount of attempts, right? It's on 4.7 per game. So he is like the opposite of somebody uh, like a DeRozan who's just going to say, well, I'm three-point shooting. It's not the best part of my game, so I'm just not going to do it as much. Like Russ is stubborn, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna keep doing things that he thinks are opportune for him, especially in a half-court setting. Now, the free throw line is, uh, is kind of the flip side of that, where he's in the, play- in the playoffs, he's an 83% free throw shooter. Um, and he had the weird struggles against the Lakers. And even in the first round it, it, while he was in Houston, it was at 53%, but he got that back to 80% um, this year. So like that is hugely important to me that he keeps that ability to, to shoot free throws. And then just generally from a field goal standpoint, this is where the bigger drop off comes where regular season, he's closer to 44% playoffs. He goes down to about 40.8%. And Again, that's I think that's because the defenses get better. Um, they zone in on what his weaknesses are and just play way off him. Get back in transition, like all of the things that the Lakers did. And the whole the whole point to bring it around to kind of back to the if they are looking at this optimistically, what Frank Vogel is going to think about and what LeBron's going to think about are how do we how do we get that higher and what spot does he have on the court where like we don't where what Anthony Davis does and what LeBron does make it so that Westbrook either cannot play the same way or doesn't have to play the same way in the playoffs. And it's a big question mark, but I, like, I think there are some answers and it's just going to, part of it's going to be nature nurture with him. And, uh, and man, it's uh, it, it, that's going to make the difference between probably whether they win a championship or not. It becomes a question of role, right? So let's talk about the playoffs specifically. Why does Russ become neutralized in the playoffs? And it's, as you said, teams scout your weaknesses and those get exploited. Now, I would argue the context of the surrounding team is what makes it different. 
there's no team that Westbrook has played on in a high-level playoff series that did not require him to be one of the guys that handles a massive load on the offense. And so if you need Russell Westbrook to carry 30% of your possessions, then the fact that he's not a very good pull-up jump shooter and will continue to take them, that's going to happen more often. On our team, you can give the ball to LeBron James and Anthony Davis down the last six minutes of a close game, every single possession. And you don't need – now, if Westbrook has an advantage – and this – Darius, you wrote something regarding Westbrook that I thought was interesting about how it, you had a great post uh, when Westbrook was first announced on Form Blue and Gold talking about all of the different aspects. And really, there's five, six podcasts just in your post alone you know, per, per paragraph about Westbrook, in, in my opinion. And one of them was that – well, we guarded him with Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis was allowed to be kind of this free safety that roamed around. And we didn't really worry about Russell Westbrook spotting up for three. And that proved to be an effective defensive strategy. It's a, all of that is true. One of the other reasons that we guarded him with Anthony Davis is Westbrook after they acquired Westbrook and this happened in the regular season. And it also happened in game one to an extent is Westbrook was too strong for Kyle Kuzma, who was another guy that we tried on him. That's one of the things that happens in the playoffs, Mike, is that you go, who get, who defended Westbrook as a primary assignment against Philly in these playoffs? Our old friend Danny Green. Put some size on him that can move a little bit, sag off of him, make him take those pull-ups, you live with the result. When we tried to do that with Kyle Kuzma and, and Alex Caruso, Russell Westbrook plowed right, right through them, D. And so there is... In, through the prism of Westbrook being a power guard, Westbrook can overpower you. If you do not have the correct personnel on him, like my argument being that, yes, AD was used as to roam off of him and help off of him to an extent. It was also to put a guy on him that he wasn't able to just plow through. Like, yeah. there's, there's no worlds where you put Anthony Davis on a guy on offense who's not a threat in some aspect that threat can be neutralized, but you got to have the personnel to do it and to have enough powerful players to defend the power of LeBron James and the power of Anthony Davis and the power of Russell Westbrook. You just start running out of guys. Back when I was a football fan, which was many moons ago, I remember watching Emmett Smith for the Dallas Cowboys, basically just win rushing titles and prance his way to the end zone multiple times a game. It felt like. And one of the reasons why he did that wasn't because he was as shifty as Barry Sanders. And Mike can explain who these football players are. These are football stars in the, in the 80s and, and 90s, uh, <laughs> two of the best ever, uh, both Hall of Famers. And, you know, I'd say like the equivalent of a modern day Saquon Barkley, uh, to some extent, although he's a little bit more explosive. And, um, you know, maybe like Christian McCaffrey, but smaller and quicker. Um, from Barry's standpoint, didn't catch, catch as many passes, and his team sucked, and his O-line sucked. There you go. And, and so <laughs> one of the reasons why Evan Smith was was getting to these accolades was because his offensive line was just massive. And these dudes were just mauling people time after time after time, right? And so after a while, one of the ways that you would try to do that is like, oh, well, let's load up. Let's put a bunch of big guys in here. But it's just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, those dudes were too big. And they would double team you and then boom, yeah, there's the hole. I'm just going to go right through there and score a touchdown. And the idea that you're talking about, Pete, is that's it. It's like, well, we've got too many of these dudes. 
there's literally one or two too many for you guys to to maintain the point about anthony davis being put in position to defend westbrook is a great one because ad is literally your best and most versatile defensive player and the place where you decided to deploy him isn't on the other team's worst player that's right that's just not what teams do that's right what you do is is you put that player on the player you put your best defensive player on one of the key players where neutralizing him makes it so that things fall apart that's for right the other that's team. a great way of putting it it's one of the reasons why back when those late 90s bulls pacers matchups were happening michael jordan was still an elite defensive player but it was scotty pippen who was basically the team's best defensive player at that point and they could have put pippen on reggie miller for example but they didn't what they did is is they put him on mark jackson the point guard and they said mark jackson you're not going to basically set up your team's offense in order to dismantle us with your sort of precision screen game that you guys run in order to get reggie miller touches and in order to go into the post against rick smith we're going to disrupt all of that and we're going to throw off your timing so all those double wide pin downs and everything else that you run those things are going to be harder to to initiate and that's sort of what the lakers that's sort of like what the lakers did with anthony davis in terms of putting him on russ they said we're going to neutralize this advantage creating piece that you guys have with who is a power guard who gets downhill. You're not going to get downhill and score over the top of Anthony Davis. You're just not. You're not even going to power through Danny Green, right? This is something we talk about a lot is that Danny is somebody that physically size-wise, Russ is going to deliver that shoulder and it's not going to rock him back the way that it will a smaller player or a player that's not as strong. And what Philly did is, is like they backed that up with Ben Simmons, right? And they and backed got it up with, size. With, mm-hmm. with Joel Embiid and they were able to sort of like give multiple layers of defensive size. The interesting thing is that I'll be looking for with Russ is, and this is why I want to get back to the point I was making in the first half of the pod is the adjustments that we're going to sort of need to see from LeBron and Anthony Davis. That is still within their realm of strengths that they can play to, but they're going to have to shift to that style a little bit more. Right. And so the idea of playing more five out with LeBron at power forward and AD at center that intrigues me right because that could allow Russ to still maintain certain advantages against smaller defensive players where he is able to punish them and playing more pick and roll game with five out action is also an area where I think Russ can thrive a little bit more but these are all X's and O's questions and and answers that we're going to see later down the line and some of this stuff may not work and they may need to scrap it and that's why this is one of the more intriguing experiments that i think that we've seen in the nba in in a long time because the skill set stuff isn't a perfect fit but the athleticism stuff is and that's what intrigues me most and i think the the bigger picture element of all of this is that do and this is what we evaluate any player. You know, Russ is making a lot of money. 
And the salary, the impact that that has is there are, it's just more difficult to fill out the rest of a deep roster, uh, you know, when you have the three guys, uh, and especially with the Supermax involved and, and all that. And that's, op- that's an obvious point. But some of those areas that you're that we're talking about with Westbrook and with the crunch time and the closing lineup, you know, it, they become that much more important because it's harder to just put him on the bench like they could Danny Green if he weren't playing particularly well in a game. And then, all right, well, you still got KCP, you got Caruso, you got Kuzma who can go into that spot. You know, how many guys, if somebody's not playing well or gets injured, you know, knock on wood, how many guys are are they going to be able to go down the roster? And I, I will also say, like, the Lakers are – they are going to be better at filling out a roster than most teams do in part to their stars and their ability to attract friends, do in part to the to a championship opportunity, do in part to Los Angeles and Laker fans. Like, they, they do have those advantages built in. But um, the margin for error, in some ways, like, it becomes slimmer there. It also – so and, and that's that's the part I think that uh, that where we really need to wait and see what is left on the roster and then let's say something isn't going great early in the season what can be done at that point what you know whether it's through a trade or the, through that kind of thing to uh, to boost the roster well Rob Palinka's gone all in here speaking to Mike's point is he over the last couple of off seasons he managed the Lakers cap I think pretty well. Yeah. Right. And the Lakers were bereft of those sort of in between contracts, right? After they traded for Anthony Davis. And the idea was, well, well, they actually don't have a lot of guys who make in between 10 and 15 million dollars because those are the contracts that are tradable, right? Those are the aggregate contracts. Well, over the last few, few off seasons, he built up a supply of those. He signed Danny Green. Right. And then he extended Kyle Kuzma and he brought back KCP and he used the full mid-level exception on Montrez Harrell. Well, they just grouped all of those together and said, we're going to get a single player who we think can help. But the fit is tricky. Right. And, And so to Mike's point, the level of team building now is going to be is going to need to be much more precise and much more deliberate while the resources in order to build out that type of roster go go down and that is one of the potential pitfalls of of this move and we should not ignore it It, so i'll be very interested to see how this roster shakes out even with some of the advantages that mike laid out that the lakers do have in terms of bringing in talent yeah, even with all of those advantages, Russell Westbrook's going to have to play in high-level playoff games. Like Mike said, he's not going to be a guy where like, oh, we got to go to this other guy off the bench. Both in terms of talent, in terms of reputation, it, like there's not a world where it's game six of the Western Conference Finals and it's 95 to 93 and Russell Westbrook is sitting on the bench with four minutes left in the game. I'm just telling you now, it's not going to happen, right? And so it has to work. That is part of the the gambit and the gamble. I... I have many thoughts. First off, I would encourage anybody, regardless if you're pessimistic about it, optimistic about it, is to be curious about it, right? And 
I am really excited about exploring the different aspects of this because there's a whole pod, like even just on the end of those last five minutes, Mike, there's a multiplicity to Westbrook that's incredible. The last point I wanted to make here, Pete, last year around this time, like a little bit earlier before the season ended, you and I did like a little collabo video on LeBron and AD and the importance Uh of attacking the rim. And Mm -hmm. it bleeds into my point that Darius referenced earlier about shooting can be overrated and that point is a little more complicated because what I'm really talking about more is like three and D, like two way players, right? Defensive players and, and the sort of the difference between 35 and 40 percent not being significant enough to not have the defense. But Russ absolutely assaults the rim. He, he and this is still if, if you ask a lot of basketball coaches, like if you can get not one, but two and three guys that all can just go and just just crush at the rim. That is going to destroy defenses, especially in transition. And and so, like, that's just a point that I, I, I want to make sure we don't lose in all the, ah, uh, the shooting yeah. and efficiency. You know, he doesn't shoot threes. It's like, yeah, but he's dunking six times a game. And so right. are LeBron and AD. And then when one of them dunks, guess what the other two are going to be doing? Running the lane. So, it, like, there is a lot there, I think, that that is um, – that, we're, that the general reaction to this is overlooking um, as to how much of a just absolute pain in the ass these guys are going to be to play um, on a night-to-night basis uh, because of of that thrust, that downhill force of nature, crazy athleticism. Yeah, that's one of the the most positive aspects of this. But there are that's the thing I love about this acquisition. Because and I've been dying to talk about it. I'm so glad we finally have a pod where we can at least have a reaction to it. Is I. I've gone down several rabbit holes since the beginning of the the Westbrook rumors, and I've come to the conclusion that there are about five to six arguments that can be made, both positive and negative, and all of them are correct. And it's just a matter of to what degree they are correct. And I'm I'm looking forward to exploring that with you guys. We're going to do a pod. We're going to do a Westbrook week of podcasts where I think we go into these subtopics and really explore. Lakers got their third star. No matter what you think of him, Russell Westbrook is is the caliber of player and is being paid as such. And I want to just get into his game as much as possible. I want to close on just a personal note. This has nothing to do with whether or not it's going to work or the different aspects of it. But Russ to me is really representative of Los Angeles local basketball, right? LA has a scene that's produced a lot of really high end NBA players that I would argue LA is the capital city of basketball. And Russell Westbrook is a significant figure within that world. Russ coming home, uh, you know, after playing in Lawndale, which just down the street from the facility, played at, at Losinger High School, which is like 10 minutes away from the practice facility, went to UCLA. I've always, like I said, I want to do a basketball pod on him, even before these rumors came to be. He's a a player that I really respect and, and believe in kind of what he's about. And just a personal anecdote, his mom worked at the school that I coached at where I spent most of my most of my brief coaching career. She worked in the offices for about 20 years before he got paid and she was able to retire and all of that. And just he's a significant figure in L.A. basketball in South L.A. in this whole world that I don't think a lot of people know about. The idea of rooting for Russell Westbrook in purple and gold to try to win freaking number 18 as a member of the team, like it chokes me up a little bit. And uh, I will be rooting so hard for him. And I think everybody will be right. Like we want all we want it to work. And I think there are multiple paths to it working that I think come down to mentality. 
We're going to explore all of those paths and the ones in which that it doesn't work out over a series of podcasts. Uh, thank you for listening. Until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.